Greetings to the Kingdom Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Cruz. And as an ambassador of the Kingdom of God, I am so honored and excited to be with you again, as it is the will of the King, both spiritually and politically, because we represent a government that is the Kingdom of God. Welcome, fellow citizens. I petition the king that you're doing well and that you had a glorious week, no matter what was going on through your life. We all are on the same path of testing trials and suffering. There's no doubt about it. And there's no sugarcoating that. So uh, let's get right into the word. There's this prayer, me and my wife, I didn't realize she knew it, but when we say grace, that prayer goes, and maybe you know it, let's see if you can repeat it as I'm saying it. As a kid, we would say, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed, thank you God for our daily bread, amen. Now, we never thought about the first two phrases of that as a kid. And I probably never really thought about it as much or too much, I say, as an adult. Because I stopped saying that prayer and I kind of started saying another one that my, my dad used to say when I was a kid. And I started saying it as an adult. But... I think I'm going to go back to saying this one, but uh, God is great. God is good. Is that a double negative? Or is that two separate entities of 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 God? And I like to ask one of these questions or this question to you, the listener. Do. Who is God? Just think about that. And what answer would you give a non-believer about God? They, They might ask, well, explain God to me. Who is he? What is he? What are his characteristics? Well, before we can answer that question, And I'm going to answer some of it, a fraction of it tonight, uh, because there's just so much there. You know, understanding the doctrine of God, if you haven't kind of gone through that, is very vast, is very deep. But I'm going to touch on a little bit of that tonight. But we must understand a few things about God. There are many aspects of God, but we're only going to cover one aspect of God tonight. And that is the nature of God. You know, so when understanding the nature of God. um, There's this divine providence. If you haven't heard of that. Now, what divine providence is, it's. 
It's God's preserving his creation operating in a in every event in the world. It's directing the things in the universe to his appointed end for them. That's his divine providence. That's God's divine providence is operating in every event in the world and directing the things in the universe to his appointed end. Right. So there's an important distinction of studying God's providence. And that's between the distinctions between his general providence and his special or specific providence. So in general, God's providence involves his control of the universe. So when we go to Psalms 103 and 19. That Psalm reads, the Lord has has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Now, when you kind of go to the next step of looking at commentary for that verse, that verse explains this. It says, from everlasting to everlasting, God has always ruled over all things. The universal kingdom is to be distinguished from God's mediocre kingdom, kingdom, which is here on earth. Right. So. It, it shows his providence, his control over everything in the universe. He's the creator of that. He's the first king. He's the king over all of that. Right. So now if you want to look at a New Testament, you can also uh, we're going to go to Ephesians one and eleven. So Ephesians one and eleven reads this. It says in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, when we look up a little commentary on that, it says Christ is the source of the believers divine inheritance, which is so certain that it is spoken of as already been received. It says, but when we're predestined, before the earth was formed, God sovereignly determined the elect sinner, however veil or however vile, uh, useless and deserving of death by trusting in Christ would be made righteous. Right. But when he says works all things. When it says works all things according to the counsel of his promise. So when we look up that phrase, it says the word works there is to be translated as the same meaning of energy. Right. So it's, it's, it's deriving energy. So when God created the world, he gave it sufficient energy to begin immediately and operate as he had planned it. 
So he he made a plan. He gave it enough energy to operate and it's simply ready to function, but was created functioning as God works out of the plan, according to the counsel of his will, his energy, every believer with power necessary to have his spiritual completion. So in other words, it's given us the energy, you know, we're, God is the host and we are the, the, the parasite basically. And we're living because of his breath. And if we, if he just gathers everything back to himself, we would just, we would just drop and turn back to dust without the host giving us breath. We couldn't survive. Right. So he has that predetermined will that he's predetermined everything. Right. So his special and specific providence encompasses his control over the details of the universe. So that includes history. It includes the details in our lives and of individual people, especially the elect. Right. So an example of what we're talking about when we say a special or a specific providence where he controls the details of the universe. Let's go to Acts 2 and 23. So when you go to Acts 2, let's see, and 23, it reads, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So when we go to look up some commentary on that, it says here, for eternity past, God predetermined that Jesus would die an anointing death as a part of his preordained plan. And when it's at the hands of lawless men, when it says that, it's talking about it was an indictment, an indictment against men of Israel, those who were unbelieving Jews who um, instigated Jesus's death, which was carried out by the Romans. Now, during that crucifixion, it was predetermined by God. But that does not absolve the guilt of those who caused it. Right. So that lets you know that. God knows. God himself knows no evil because evil really is the absence of. Of uh, good. Right. So. God knows no evil, but he knows. The people that will do evil. Right. But even then, they still have a choice. And that's a whole different topic that we we, we can get into. Uh, it's a very complicated one. And it, and it and it's more than just our will. Right. You know, we, we have our choice, but 
predetermined and predestination or, or, or the, you know, things that's predetermined by God. Why doesn't he intervene? Right. in in things of this world. Well, that would be a miracle. Right. And we will kind of touch that very lightly uh, during the rest of this explanation. But I wanted to give you that explanation because the topic today is why do bad things happen to good people? And it's a very sensitive topic, you know, and, and, and people throughout the years have debated and discussed this topic. And I don't have the definite answer. I believe that the word explains it very clearly. And this is just what I've determined that the word has said. You know, I'm going through it with you and I'm, 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 I'm going to give an answer of, of, of the truth that I believe the word is, is saying, and this is not a new truth. And a lot of people who, who take the time to study the word, I believe will come up with the exact same truth, uh, because, you know, you may have different ways of getting there, but at the end, there's only one truth, and that's what the word says, right? So, um, you know, when we get back to the general providence and this, the, the providence that, you know, and some people are willing to concede that God has general providence over their lives, but they will deny that he has specific providence in the lives of people. Right. So they may say that the general providence that, you know, he has preordained certain things, but they don't believe that he has specific providence in the lives of people because people have their own will. Well, we use a very, uh, a very known verse a lot in Romans 8 and 28. And when you read that, that verse reads, it says, And we know that according to the will of God, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Right. And then it says for those he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the first the firstborn among many believers. And those who are predestined, he also called. And those whom he also called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So that shows that God controls 
does extend in the lives of people, particularly in the people of the elect, which are believers. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are a believer. God does have control that extends into your life. The word says it is plain. Now, we we've always hear that, you know. This doesn't say that evil is good and, 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 and good is evil. It's not saying that, but it's saying that. When we go through a trial and we are believers, God's going to work that trial for our good. And it's based on the salvation of our lives. You know, the road to suffering is, is a path that we all take in this life, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, right? It's just that if you are a believer, you have God's favor on your life. And going through that trial, you may not feel like the favor of God is on your life. But when you look at the hand of his favor in your life, as you're going through that trial, you can see. And if you know, he's nudging you to change your character. That's part of it. And if you don't do that, then you miss out on what he, you know, on this verse. You really do. And it's it's very difficult to do because you may feel like you don't need to change or your character doesn't need prodding. Or pruning. Everyone's character needs pruning. From the day until we perish, it needs pruning. You can't you can't be the same person today that you were yesterday. If your flesh is dying every day, if you're killing your flesh every day, then you can't be the same person. You have to grow. And if you don't, then uh, God uses a trial to help you get there because I've said it in another podcast. God's goal is to mold you into the image of his son. The only way you can get there is through a trial. So let me give you an example of, uh, well, let's go back. Let's start here. It says, I have here, it says, there are three elements that make up God's nature. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. Man, time's going by fast. So God's nature. Goodness, holiness, and righteousness. Those are the three things that make up God's nature. So when it said that God is good, when we, in that prayer, God always acts according to what is right, true, and good. Goodness is a part of God's nature, and he cannot contradict his nature. Holiness and righteousness are part of God's nature as well, and he cannot do anything that is unholy or or unrighteous, right? 
But God is the standard of all that is good. So. Let's interject a today's. You know, issue. So. Back in 2004, a rabbi who lived in Massachusetts, uh, he wrote a number one best-selling inspirational classic. And you may have heard of it or you may even read the book. It said uh, from nationally a known spiritual leader. He was actually a rabbi at a church where a congregation. Right. And his source of, of solace and hope connected with over four million readers. That's a lot. So his name was Harold uh, Kushner. He had a three year old son and that son was diagnosed with a degenerative uh, disease that meant the boy would only live until his early teens. Right. So he faced one of life's most difficult questions and it said, why? God. Years later, Rabbi Kushner wrote this straightforward, elegant compilation of the doubts and fears that arise when tragedy strikes. That was a lot of people who connected with, you know, they went out and bought the book and read it and they connected with, you know, that topic of why, why something so tragic, you know, and, 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 and this was coming from a rabbi, you know, basically from, a, a leader over people, right? So let's take an example just from the Old Testament. Let's go to uh, Genesis 18. And in Genesis 18, this uh, is actually talking about when the Lord appeared to uh, Abraham during side right before he went to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And when they, when the Lord appeared to him, it was him. And it was three men that, that, that he saw and Abraham ran over and he was like, Lord, you know, if you found any favor in my sight, do not pass up your servant, you know? So he wanted to wash their feet and, 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 and do all these things and feed them and all that stuff. And uh, so, you know, that was pretty customary during that time. If you had any visitors come to your home that, you know, you would wash their feet. But it wasn't until uh, he he mentioned Lord when he introduced himself that he realized that that was God visiting him. So. Uh, Abraham went quickly back into the tent where Sarah was and said, hey, cook me, you know, three fine flowers and knead up some cake. And Abraham ran back and took a calf and, you know, and he gave the young man to prepare it real quick. So he did. They did all that. And, you know, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And he said, you know, he said, the Lord said, uh, hey, where's your where's your wife? Where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And he said, I surely will return. About this time next year, your wife will have a son. 
And now that's when Abraham and, you know, with Sarah, they were old in their years and, you know, they were told that promise. But now they actually have a visit from God, you know, and one of the things that I found so fascinating in this story is, you know, Sarah was actually in a different location. She was inside the tent and she heard it. And it says here, so Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, hey, why did Sarah laugh and say, you know, shall I indeed bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, at an appointed time, I will return. And about this time next year, Sarah will have a son. And I was like, wow. So Sarah laughed to herself. So then he goes, you know, or she comes out and and she says, uh, but Sarah denied it, saying, hey, I didn't laugh for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did. So. And in, in, in saying that. You can't you may be able to. Lie to others. But you can't lie to God. He hears everything. And just be aware of that, you know. Sarah laughed to herself and said that to herself. But God heard that and he questioned why she said that. Right. But he still didn't stop the blessing from happening. Right. We know the story about that. But the story here is they were about to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy it. But. One of the another thing that fascinated me about this is that when the men went out there and they looked down towards Sodom, you know, Abraham went with them and, and as they were walking on their way. And the Lord said, and I guess he was talking to the other two men that were with him, you know, hey, I need that. Shall I hide this from Abraham? Because he's he's about to become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. You know, and. So during that time, that's when Abraham says, Lord, are you going to sweep the right? Are you going to, uh, what does he say here? It says, for I have given and chosen him to be the Lord, you know, children over the household to keep him. So then it says, the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to go down there to see if it's graved, if it's really as graved as I hear that it is. So he, he was going down there to see it himself. And then Abraham actually grew close to him and, and he asked a question, which I thought is a um, very, very important question, which is basically the theme of this this topic today and in verse 23 of chapter 18 in Genesis it says this then Abraham drew near and said 
will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there's, you know, 50 righteous there. Would you not spare it for 50 righteous who are there? And God says, okay. Lord says, if I find 50 righteous in the city, I'll spare it. The whole place for their sake. And Abraham answered again. He thought about it and he answered it again. He was like, what about if it's less than five? You know, suppose five of the, you know, or, 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 or it's lacking five. And the Lord said to him again, he was like, eh, surely, I, I, I suppose I won't, I won't uh, do it for the sake, I won't destroy it for the sake of that. And then he politicked with them again. He said, suppose 30 are found there. And behold, the Lord spoke and suppose that 20 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of the 20, I won't destroy it. Then he said, oh, Lord, let me not. Don't be angry at me. I'm going to ask you again. Suppose there there are 10 there are found. And he answered, for the sake of the 10, I won't destroy it. And the Lord went and finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. And we know the rest of the story, right, is it was destroyed. And why was it destroyed? God didn't lie. He just didn't find one righteous there. And why didn't he find one righteous there? Because no one's good. Right? No one's good. So in conclusion, the question is, why do bad things happen to good people? They don't. The word clearly states why. It's because we're sinners. No one's good. Bad things don't happen to good people because there's no good people here. Now, will our character show goodness at times? Yes. Will we perform good deeds? Yes. Will we show goodness by giving our time, our money, our talents? Yes. But can we call ourselves good according to the nature of God? No, we can't. In Luke 18 and verse 19, Jesus declared, no one is good except God alone. And first John or in John one and five, it also tells us. That God is light. Look family. There's only one who is fully and truly good. And that's God. This good God invites us to seek him. And to taste to see if the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That's in Psalm 34 and 8. This is tough. Right. This is tough if you're a non-believer. And even if you are a believer, this is still tough to realize that, you know, we hear word from the pulpit and it, it's it's. You know, 
I don't think in today's society we hear the word the in its purest form anymore because that's not what people want to hear. You know, we have to itch the ears of the people to keep people interested, but that's not true. The word, the way it's being said today, it re- it's, it's, it's tickling your ears. It's tickling your ears in a way that is it's challenging your heart to understand that, man, I'm truly not good because of sin. Now, fortunately, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ healed us of that sin, but we can't experience the full manifestation uh, manifestation of that until we're in the in the kingdom of God until we we reach the other side the ultimate but in this proximate world that in this proximate vicinity of this horizontal world that we live in we have sinful bodies our bodies are still full of sin our spirits and our new life is is in heaven but that's the reason why it says renew your mind daily because sin is still controlling the flesh. But God has defeated that. Jesus has defeated the sin. But it's our job while we're here to do that. Right. You know, and even to get to the goodness that Jesus is experiencing now. He had to go through the pain of the cross. The suffering and the trials of our Lord and Savior went through the cross. There was pain. Did he experience happiness and and, and, and good things? I'm sure. He did. You know, and here's another thing. I know we've all asked or one way and another we've said, Man, I wish I had more faith. You have to be careful what you ask for. Right. Your prayers will be heard. Through having more trials. I mean, it sounds weird, but your prayers are being heard when you get more trials, when you start to notice more trials are occurring in your life. Often in our prayers, we we've sought for a stronger faith and the way to a stronger faith usually lies in a rough pathway of sorrow, pain, because it makes you lean on God. It makes you refine your character. It makes you drop things that are not important in the world. Look, I believe in the promises of God. I've experienced some promises of God because I've seen throughout my life and, and, and of promises of protecting, like protecting my son. That's, that's a whole different thing too. Uh, I will talk about that one day, but protecting my, my son, giving me comfort and so on. You know, my faith has been tried and, Believing in the promise, waiting for fulfillment of the promise, holding on to the assurance of that promise, 
And even when the promise is delayed like it is right now in dealing with brain cancer with my wife and experiencing being a caregiver full time with the baby and experiencing her trauma, everything is delayed. It's not happening quick. I mean, we're a year and a half into this already, and it seems like we just started because the symptoms and everything has changed. I mean, me and Crystal talked about that today, and it was very heart heavy that, you know, we're waiting. We're in the waiting room right now, waiting for the promises of God to be delivered. Now, he's already delivered the promise, but our time and his time are two different things. It's done in his time already, but we haven't caught up with that time yet. So we have to wait. And during that time of waiting, we got to figure out, okay, what is, you know, what's the good in this? What's the good in her suffering right now? Well, it's made me a better person. I'm still learning every day how to become better. There's some negative things about it, too, but it's like, man, do you focus on the negatives? Because the negatives is what your flesh points out. The positives is the stuff you, you the glory is what you talk about. You know, we all want a good testimony, but man, what about a testimony? My character has changed. My, my, uh, my will for God is stronger than the will of my flesh now. You know, the lust of the spirit is calmed down because now I'm experiencing true agape love for my wife and my family. I mean, there's so many aspects of this, right? I may not get to, you know, I might see people enjoying their lives, going on trips, doing all these different things, right? And then I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. But really, do I? Because... I don't know what their spiritual life is, but I don't know if they understand who God is and how much God loves them and how much I know of God. You know, those are the things that people don't understand. Right. So. This is not an easy path, but it's the path that my family will take because me and my family would take because it's the right path. It's the right way. And it will always be accompanied by God when you follow his way. That's why he's our eagle. That we're flying upon his wings until we're able to do this on our own. And I hope that you really listen to this message. It's not to say that we're not showing the signs of being like our Lord and Savior, of being good. But this is the wages of sin is death. This is sin. This is a sin issue. And there's nothing we can do about it 
It's already done. You know, and when people are going through, yeah, I get it. It's hard to say, hey, you know, in this world, we will there will be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. Our Lord is the Savior. He's, he's overcoming. So just, you know, you're going to have victory on the other side. That's John 16 and 33, right? My favorite verse. You're going to have victory on the other side. Or saying Romans 8 and 28, right? Whatever, you know, people don't want to hear that. Why? Because of the sorrow that they are, are are experiencing. And I get it. But sometimes, you know, and I, I'm going to say this and, and I'll, I'll end the podcast. But, you know, I heard and I told the story to my wife. There was this pastor who, uh, who knew uh, Bob Greasy. And Bob Greasy's wife, uh, football player, his wife uh, experienced cancer for 10 years. She dealt with it for 10 years. And, and, and that pastor said, you know, she was like, R.C., I'm tired. But I want to know, why did I have to suffer for 10 years with this cancer? Why why couldn't the Lord just take me? And she and him as a pastor says, I don't know. I don't know. But I know one thing. If you hear the call of God on your heart right now and you're not a believer, and you have the ears to hear the call right now at this moment, please say this confession after me. It says, I confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in all thy heart that he has raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. That's Romans 10 and 9. And if you said this with a deep personal conviction, without reservation, that Jesus is sovereign, over me and everything I have in my life. This phrase includes repenting from sin, trusting in God for salvation and submitting to him as Lord. This is the volitional element of faith. Family. I know I love each and every one of you that have taken the time to listen. Go back and look for the look through this word for yourself. Go back and look at all of the all of the uh, verses. Reread and see God's hand in those verses. See Jesus in those verses and see what he's telling you, what he's telling us, what he left us to see is. This world is full of pain and sorrow and we're going to go through it daily but we don't have to go through it alone we have a wonderful God who's gracious enough to spread his wings out for his children 
Just hop on. Ask for the endurance. That's what we're doing. Ask for the grace. That's what we're doing. And you know what? He's going to bring you whatever you need. Whatever you need. And he's going to leave you plenty to help someone else. May the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all. And I pray that each one of you will receive the call of God on your heart to know him better in relationship. Blessings.